1: Hey y'all, it's Amber here. Just wanted to pop on to remind all of you to support our Patreon, you can give $1, $3, $5 a month. And we do want to shout out two lucky patrons that just joined the party. Welcome Roddy and Michaela, And congrats again to Tracy who won last month's book giveaway. Uh, Tracy, we sent you new sons, so please let us know if you did not get that yet. We also sent you a little letter in the mail. And next month, we'll be giving away the novel by Cadwell Turnbull, The Lesson. We're gonna be discussing The Lesson at the end of the month, so it is an amazing book. Y'all check that out, but wait to buy it because, you know, you might win it in the giveaway. Okay, let's get this party started. Welcome to the Side by Side under the Believe Podcast Network about black science fiction, fantasy, and staying on the same page in this marriage. Today for episode 42, we will be discussing the 1997 film Eve's Bayou directed by Casey Lemons. Just so you know, even though it was made in 1997, there will be spoilers. There will be spoilers. Ben, how you doing today?
2: I'm doing great.
1: Any any updates? Any new things that you've been you know thinking about? This is a show, after all. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Way to yes and. You I, love- I don't know. I'm sorry. You love talking shit about like oh, I took I'm improv sorry. with you and everything was great. Oh, and- I didn't.
2: I but I didn't. I didn't know that um you were feeding me a question.
1: I literally go go check our. You, do you listen to the show? I don't know if you listen to the show or not. Yes. You don't always listen to the show. I have to force you to listen to our show, which no, is pretty I, pathetic. But no, I, I, at the top I of do. every single motherfucking episode, I ask you how you're doing today because I'm. this is probably the only time I'm going to ask you how you doing today. And you just giving me nothing. All Give right, a so, girl something.
2: So right now, every time you ask me that, I always need to say, I'm hot, I'm sweaty, I want to get to the discussion. My stomach is growling because <laughs> I didn't eat. Uh, I did eat this time. I ate like three freaking... Um, like chorizo sandwiches with like uh wisconsin cheddar cheese and i have to use the bathroom but i can't use the bathroom because we're in our bathroom filming so if i have to use the bathroom i have to bring in my potty squatty which i have to put out in the hallway so we have enough room to record in the bathroom and you're also sitting on the toilet and it's closed so you have to get up but you're wearing a boot so honestly you don't want to know how i'm doing
1: that was great babe The listeners want to know how you're doing. They want to know how miserable you are making a podcast with me, your doting wife.
2: No, 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 no. You are doting all that. I'm actually very excited tonight because we are going to a black woman, queer uh, owned uh, cocktail lounge called Nobody's Darling, uh, taken from the Alice Walker um, poem uh, referring to Nobody's Darling. And uh, connection, didn't you have an uncle who dated Alice? Walker.
1: Oh my gosh, yes, my uncle. So Alice Walker is from Eatonton, Georgia, which is where my whole my mom's whole side of the family is from, and uh, my uncle George dated her for a while in high school. Wow. And he even gave her like a little promise ring, like this little metal promise ring, and that ring was worn by Seeley in the movie The Color Purple.
2: Shut the fuck up. Yep.
1: Wow. Well, that's what he likes to tell us. Maybe, maybe he didn't ever buy it, but yeah, they dated. Which is dope. Well, see, you see what rich conversation just came after that little rant? I love it.
2: I really don't want people to hear me farting on that, the podcast. You're I have they're to probably love going to. So I
1: have to edit. Y'all, I have to edit so much because of Ben's gas and um, just bodily sounds. But <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and stroke our egos, shall we? Getting into these Apple Podcast ratings, just so you know, if you're like, girl, I cannot afford that Patreon right now, but I got your back, I will write an Apple Podcast rating. We'll take that instead. That is another way to support the show. So this week, we got four. So they're, they're all pretty short, so I just wanted to read them really quickly. This one's from Gwinnie76. I promise you, Ben, I'm not going to add on words, okay? I'm going to try that. Gwinnie writes, Wow. Okay. I love you both on TikTok, but this podcast is the book club that I've been waiting for. You are both insightful and provide your own point of view eloquently. I found myself talking like we're in the same room, having a conversation with a glass of wine, but alas, I am at work with no wine, just a weirdo talking to the phone and end review. Okay. So I, you know, I, I did my voices there, but thank you, Gwynnie. You can drink wine and talk to your phone to us in space anytime you want um please just record that and tag us on the side by side podcast instagram so we will repost you because we will all right next review is from melanin monroe yes i love y'all i love y'all's tiktoks imagine my surprise when i discover y'all have a weekly podcast y'all are the best Thank you so much, Melanie Monroe. Love your name as well. Jojo Late for Class writes, if you love books and movies, you'll love Amber and Ben. The conversation and witty banter make you feel like you're sitting right there with them. Keep it up. And then we got one more from Shiloh O. Awesome podcast. Found Amber and Ben on TikTok. Happy I took the time to listen to their podcast. Fantastic banter and great reviews. Keep up the good work. And now I will be looking forward to the new episodes. Love you guys. Thank you so much um, to all of those listeners out there and the... In the listener verse, um, you know Ben, you know wearing your underwear and filming those TikToks is finally paying off. Those are
2: shorts; they're not underwear. They're undies. Okay, Ben, er,
1: you—the whole internet is going off about your bulge these days. I just let it happen. I love it.
2: Good thing I don't have Instagram or uh, I don't really use TikTok unless you tell me to look at this TikTok video and make sure that it's not been taken down, or like look at this TikTok (laughs) video and make sure that. It, like, you use my account to check. It. Anyway, it's, it's I stupid. stay
1: in TikTok jail. Ben was in a bar the other day, and you said somebody was, like, trying to get your number to connect later or something. Ben doesn't understand that we're at the stage where people just ask for your social media handles instead oh, of numbers, yeah. right? Yeah, Go, we, you, you tell it.
2: No, yeah. We were at, um, we were both there. We were at a, um, a what do they call it? Engagement party. Yeah that's what they call them. Engagement party. <laughs> Our friends uh, got engaged. Uh-huh. And so we went to a party and we were at a live one, which is a great bar in Chicago. And I was like talking to somebody and we're like, oh, this is great. You know, they, they're, they were a musician and I play violin and guitar. And so we were talking about music and they're like, oh, what's your Instagram handle? And I was like, oh, this is the next logical step in a conversation in which you want to connect with this person.
1: Yeah, because the number can feel too intimate. So what did you say? Uh, I live vicariously through my wife's Instagram. Here's her handle.
2: Yeah, I said uh, you can use my wife's Instagram.
1: (laughs) Which makes me sound so controlling. Do you want to get an Instagram? Will you let me? Benjamin, don't do that.
2: I have to get permission.
1: Fuck you. No, the fuck you don't. TikTok already thinks I'm a bully because I'm your black wife. Oh, my God. And I'm yelling at a white person. It has to be bullying. Yeah. You can get an Instagram if you want to.
2: No, I'm good. <laughs> I fucking... You had
1: one when we first started dating, but you had like six followers.
2: Yeah, and they were all my family. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you you just thought you were too pathetic for Instagram?
2: No, I, I literally give zero fucks. For- for that kind of social interaction. Listen, I'm part of the things I want to be part of. I'm part of my science fiction classic book club. I found my way to a Battlestar Galactica game club, and
1: dear God, uh,
2: which is fantastic. And then I'm doing this stuff with you. Like, you're we have a club here. We have a black we science fiction club. and fantasy um, media club essentially because we're not really beholden to any kind of media, we're doing everything. Uh, you know everything from movies uh, and tv shows books graphic novels we do it all so yeah this is sort of like a club i don't want any more social activity
1: cute but i do have some sad news i told you this on instagram um and in person i posted it on instagram brother we do have some sad news in the black sapphire world uh lovecraft country season two did not get reviewed renewed for a second season on hbo
2: it'll be fine did you
1: predict that happening
2: no not at all i thought i mean because it was almost like a cultural phenomenon like someone else is going to pick it up some other you know you know stars amazon somebody else will pick it up it's making good money it's also like the very it's very um yeah it's it's got things to say
1: yeah Uh, the other day i was trying to show you like what misha green's season two pitch was you're like i don't want to know i don't want to know because somebody else is going to pick this up i just know it
2: yeah, absolutely. I, I, have, I have no interest in knowing because they changed some pretty uh, big changes from the book. But
1: but speaking of, you know, look, look at these segues working. Speaking of an older Journey Smollett, we we have now tapped into a young, charming Journey Smollett with the movie Eve's Bayou. So, Ben, why don't you talk a little bit about why we decided to watch this movie? So
2: I had never heard of Eve's Bayou until we watched uh, the documentary called Horror Noir, which deals with black horror. And uh, you grew up watching it, right? Uh Uh-huh.
1: I had seen it a couple times as a child, but I am only just now understanding what I was really watching.
2: Interesting. Like, you were allowed to watch it as a kid?
1: Yeah, it was one of those movies that would come on on a Sunday on, like, BET or something. Oh, or maybe yeah. sometimes on lifetime so i would watch it in parts but when i go back and watch those sort of like eaves by you rosewood uh a time to kill like when you watch those movies when you get older you're like oh my goodness this is next level what was i doing watching this but you saw a kid in it so it's it, it's a movie with kids in it but it's not a kid movie
2: that's so that's so fascinating to me that you were able to watch these kinds of movies that they would just show up on TV because I didn't grow up with any cable. So when I watched a movie, it was sit down Friday night with the family, watch the whole thing through. And when I would go to my cousin's house, they you know they had TV on all the time or whatever, and I would watch movies at my cousin's house, and they would you know cut massive parts from the movie that I'd seen with my family. And I remember hating that. I was like, when you watch a movie on TV, it doesn't count – you watching the movie it, it yeah babe. it's
1: yeah it's tv do you mean cut. like full content or do you mean like when they bleep out the words? no
2: i'm talking about like they cut full entire scenes like wow just cut and I, that would make me so fucking angry i was like this is so disrespectful to the people who made this movie and to that point um when i was doing research for this Casey Lemons had a director's cut to this, which I can't talk about it. I can't get. I like can't find it. Uh, it's like done in thirty-five millimeter. Occasionally, she'll do like private viewings. She has the one copy of it. I want them to, you know, release it for the public because she had to get rid of an entire character. There was a uh, a person uh, with a disability in a wheelchair, um, uh, and they cut that entire character from. The movie, and also it seemed to imply that in this movie, a big part of it deals with, um, you know, uh, child molestation, and in her cut, I think it's not as unclear about the child uh, molestation, like, like
1: where, where blame fell, um, the, the child or the adult.
2: Well, I mean, we always know where blame no, is. No, we
1: do, but I'm just saying the the. Uh... The film that we have access to sort of tries to blur those lines, whereas I think you were explaining to me the film that she has access to was like, no, it is the adult. There is no in between.
2: Yeah, that's that is what I was able to and get sort of get from. I don't know. I've never seen it, so it, it seemed to be that this was an area of contention, um, and we'll talk about later in the film. But I, I definitely wanted to watch this after. You know, hearing Reeve do, talking about it, like, and tweeting about, you know, lines from this film over and over. There are some beautiful, beautiful lines. And then the other reason I wanted to watch it is you just came back from New Orleans. Yes, I did. And so I've never been to New Orleans, but there is, like, a voodoo culture in yes, New sure. Orleans. Like, that people still practice today. In the same vein that someone would go
1: to mass on Sunday in a Catholic church, is that fair to say? I mean, absolutely. Um. Well, I I'll be honest. This time when I went, I stayed in the French Quarter. But last time we went, we were sort of on the out the outskirts of New Orleans, so we had more access to like voodoo and palm reading and stuff like that. And I am I highly respect. Uh, those spiritual modalities, so I always get afraid to have my palm read or something like that because I am going to like listen to it and internalize it. But when my friend was down there, I went down to New Orleans for my friend's um thirtieth birthday party. It was just me, her, and her family turning up. She did get an energy reading done um and so i just gave her sort of like that hour or two to herself to go get that and experience that on her own and when she came out of it she was like very cleansed like definitely cried during it so some she got some exposure to that like spiritual realm but i didn't i ain't fuck with it when i was down there because i get scared one time when i was in high school um my like high school boyfriend tried to take me to like, uh, you know, you know how you're in high school and you're just like madly in love. And so he was like, let's go to a, a fortune teller and, and so that they can confirm that we're meant to be or whatever. And I probably knew at the time we weren't going to stay together or something. So I was like, let's not, <laughs> let's not go up in there. And so we pulled up in the person's front yard and it was just one of those like legit, like, have you ever seen Pee Wee Herman? Yeah, You know how when Pee Wee is like raining and he looks up and it's like a neon light saying like, Tarot here or whatever. And she's like completely bullshitting in Pee Wee Herman. She
2: she goes through his uh, wallet, I think, right?
1: Right. And she's like, you have a bicycle. And he was like, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Like he's like thinking and believing or whatever. But this place looked like one of those places with tons of figurines and shit in the yard. So I got so scared. I didn't even get out of the car. I was like, I don't want her to like let him know the truth about the fact that this relationship is not going to stay together wow have you ever had your palm read or anything like that Ben? yeah
2: i've i've had uh you know some guy in central park uh new york city read uh read my tarot card yeah he gave tarot. tarot sorry um yeah i i oh i was gonna ask you
1: what did he say did he tell you you were gonna be uh, a beautiful black wife and one day run a, a black sci fi podcast, for her?
2: Yes, he said all of that. Of course. And, and then I just, you know, I went searching for a black wife right <laughs> oh, afterward. Uh, no, never. Uh. I do wanna, I do wanna talk though. That the first time I watched this, there are two things that really stuck out to me. One, it takes voodoo- voodooism very seriously. And I'm a cynic in general, but I take voodoo, voodooism as seriously as I would, like, you know, Islam or Buddhism. Um, I probably take it more seriously than Christianity, if we're being totally honest. Uh, but I do find it, like, a very valid religion or practice form of practice of religion. And I loved how seriously this took, uh, took voodooism. And then the other thing is something that this movie uh, was— one of the reasons that it was explained uh, hard to you know get made was that there are no white characters in this in this film, and I noticed that immediately the first time we watched this, I don't know maybe six months ago, and then we recently just watched it again
1: like earlier today.
2: yeah, early because um, uh, we rewatched it yeah, yeah, earlier yeah. today oh sure I, I want to keep it secret that we actually do more uh, that we don't plan for this as we well. Plan.
1: As we plan I, I showed the patrons our planning.
2: yeah, we do plan. Okay, it doesn't matter. Anyway, you notice
1: right away that hold, there were no up, white people hold, in the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah,
2: hold up. Let me Yeah, and I noticed what, let me finish what I was saying. Sorry. So, I a question for you is that oftentimes Amber like will go into a space and Amber right away knows like, "Oh no, I'm the only black person here." And oftentimes, you know, um y- you sense that, right? And uh this movie and going to Amber's church are like the few times I experienced that, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, sorry, I, I keep thinking you're done with your statement. And i my bad. Keep you know,
2: Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. Talk on that.
1: Uh, I, I don't walk into a situation like that saying, Oh no, unless it's like a party or something. Like if it's like something meant for fun and entertainment, and I notice I'm the only black person there, that's a red flag. But if I'm going to like a coffee shop or something, and noticing that, that there are no black people there, like that makes sense. It's kind of like, oh, there's traffic.
2: Sorry, you don't, it's not a, it's a noticing. Right. Like but I didn't amendigo, say, oh, you were no. like, oh. you did say, oh, no. Oh, yeah. I didn't mean, oh, I, sorry, I didn't mean, oh, no. I, I mean, for me, for I think a lot of white people, they go into a situation and they, they notice immediately.
1: It, but it happens so often that it's like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I said, it's like traffic. It's like yeah, there's traffic.
2: Yeah. I think But I th- when there's not
1: traffic, you're like, "Oh my god, ain't no traffic out here." It's like that Black Lady Sketch Show like, this is a Black Lady courtroom, like you're you're shocked when there is an all black space that's not like a party that was advertised for black people.
2: Mm. Well, it's yeah, the thing that I keep on thinking about is how one white people notice immediately or or white people are like shocked. Right. Like you're not, where I think gotcha. they're shocked and they notice, where I think black folk are like, oh, this is, you know. Yeah. Or. Or don't you you're know. you're
1: pleasantly surprised when it's not that situation. But it was it's just like that guy that I'm not even going to at him because I don't want him to have any followers. But like this one asshole guy got on Twitter one day was like, uh, so all of a sudden on on air quote real TV white people aren't interested in hotels, planes, cars, shopping. So he was make he was attempting to make a commentary about like commercials are so diverse to the point that white people have been erased. But everybody was like, bro shut the fuck up like well
2: and i'm going to speak for the white people is oh, we're not interested in planes and cars <laughs> and buying houses it's
1: like no greg bitch y'all just ain't the only ones interested in that shit like shut up no. uh i was going to say um
2: on on this point oh yeah yeah but that's i also i want to be careful because you were like a college counselor at an all-black neighborhood, and you would talk about some of your black students for the first time, like being a, like around white people.
1: Oh yeah, that's a huge culture shock. If you grew up on the south side of Chicago, and then you know one of my advisees the next summer got shipped off to like not shipped off, I shouldn't say that wanted to go, got a got a full ride to go to Boston College, and after her first semester there, she's like, I don't want to be here anymore. I feel out of place. I feel I didn't know I was poor. I've recently learned that. Like, you know, you just get to a place and you're like, wow, I am out of my element. I've never realized that there are this many white people in the world. Because when you live on South Side Chicago, they Chicago, it's mostly black. And she had a lot of black teachers at the school. Like, she's like, all of my schools have been black. Most of my teachers have been black. So to hell with this prestigious degree. I don't want to be here anymore.
2: Oh, that's so... That's so... Um... I find that disappointing Mm -hmm. uh, that, like, how does a school then educate black kids in an all-black neighborhood to enter into a white world? Or should they not and just create the niche communities of, like, black dollars spending on spending on black dollars uh I, or um you
1: mean like hbcus i'm not sh-
2: yeah yeah like getting more specific getting, or... getting people yeah i would say hbcus like do is it uh, i just think um what like is some it? of these pwis uh, do
1: have smaller black communities like i went to university of georgia and so we created like bugger black uga but there were still about five to six hundred black people at uga that i felt like i'm probably like bullshit in numbers but when I was at Georgia, all of my friends were black and the sorority was black and everything like that. But I think she was, she was describing like a very, very, very tiny, like can count on two hands, how many black students are here. And it's like when your roommate's not black and you look in your classes and they're not black, it's, it's hard.
2: There's just always seems to be this white haunting, like even in this movie, Mm -hmm. right? Um, because the movie gives this background, Eves Bayou, the place where the movie takes place, is a, named after a a, a black um, uh, you know wise woman who was a slave mm-hmm. who helped a a French uh, plantation owner.
1: Yeah, she was almost like a medicine woman.
2: Yeah, and he freed her, and then she had like sixteen of his children. And so all those children are the descendants of Eve, and they live free, and they've been probably living free longer, and the movie takes place in the 1960s, -hmm. and with that freedom, and it just really, it makes me think of um, that experiment that, uh, what's this guy, the big guy, Big Mike, uh, what's his name? Killer Mike. Killer Mike, yeah. Mm -hmm. Killer Mike, where he was like trying to spend just black dollars for a whole day, you know, and talking like you, here in Chicago you have Chinatown which has really nice real estate and it's really well maintained and then you have um Little Vietnam which is where you know right where we live and that's really nice maintained they recently about 4 years ago repaved that main street off Argyle they're redoing the Argyle stop and then you go to the South Side right and you go to the black neighborhoods and it's just harder to keep there's there's not as many like Uh, grocery stores and uh, there's not as many like tax dollars being spent to make those neighborhoods a place that people don't need to leave to like escape the hood Uh, yeah quoting i'm quoting here right now and what i find so unique about this film is that there are no white people black dollars are being spent throughout the film like there's a black doctor uh, there's um, black teachers. There are uh, black people who are selling your pro- your produce, that, so you can keep your black dollars in that community. Right. And so there's this one level of, you know, this film is about a coming of age story of you know little journey Smollett Eve, who's named after the the namesake of the founder of the town, and so it works on that level as a beautiful coming of age story dealing with very serious themes. But I think there's something deeper going on here that I think says a lot about me just being in Chicago now. Yeah. I don't know.
1: And also why the movie was hard to get uh, backers and financers for. hmm So you just gave a summary of the movie about this bayou that belonged to Jean and Yves Baptiste. Baptiste and how they have descendants now. Journey is one of those kids. So why don't you give just sort of like uh, a spiel about the family dynamics and uh, we'll talk about some of those themes.
2: Uh, yes. Yeah, so there is Eve's father, uh, Louise, played by Samuel L. Jackson. He's the local doctor who uh, does a little bit more than just healing people. He um, He's a little bit of a slut. Yeah, is he heals with the dick. Yeah. Yeah. He's... Uh, He's making house calls. He's making house calls. And booty calls. calls. And booty calls at the same time. And uh, Eve's mom, uh, Roz, is sort of dealing with his infidelity. And then she has a sister, um, Cicely, played by Megan Good, young Megan Good.
1: Yes, we love the young Megan Good.
2: And she sort of has this, like, she's, like, coming into her womanhood, but she has this crush on her father. And there's this really... Um, I think, disturbing sexual tension between them that sort of lasts throughout the movie. And the second time watching it, I really picked up on the mother sort of dropping these hints that she knows that her husband, um, you know, Louise... Fancies her daughter. (laughs) Fancies her daughter. And there's like a line that we didn't catch the first time. Yeah.
1: I was going to say, his name is either Louis or Louis. Like oh, oh
2: Louis. Yeah, sorry. You're good. And so there's a line where um, Eve catches her father, you know, having having sex with a, another woman, and her father is like trying to de escalate Eve, who's like literally being traumatized by mm-hmm. seeing her father. And have young sex. Journey
1: Smollett is acting her ass oh off God. in these scenes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Louis is talking to his daughter Eve about like. It, it, um not even, it's nothing. It's just, he's just like not even acknowledging the conversation at all. Like Eve is just traumatized by catching him cheating and he's just like, well, come on, let me take you inside. Like, like nothing even happened. And then at one point Eve's mom comes outside Roz and she was like, what are y'all doing out here so late? Whoa, what y'all talking about? um And Eve was like, oh, me and daddy just talking. And then Roz looks at the both of them and was like, well, I guess that's legal. All of the language was so intentional in this film. There, there's no wasted words uh, when it comes to this. I, I kind of was it a book? It, it, it made me think it was a book.
2: It, it has the intentionality of a piece of literature. even the the images of um, Eve picking up a snake, uh, thinking that the snake is dead and not alive, but then you know, threatens her, has this entire um, terror that as you know louis is essentially raping his older eldest daughter that i I think you know we get that indication that louis might be doing that to eve further down the line yeah the the other part is that we have their aunt who is living with them uh, moselle who has this curse that all her husbands die and One of my favorite scenes is that she's telling her niece, Eve, who also has the gift of the sight, like can, you know, foretell the future. And Moselle has that gift as well. And so Moselle is this psychic therapist, essentially, where people come to her and she, you know, gives them a reading and very specific reading. Like it's very clear in this film that... Um, psychics exist that there is a spirituality that people can indeed tell the future like that is real in this film there's no question about it and Moselle can give very specific details that people need to hear to deal with the trauma that they're facing and so uh, Moselle lives with them and is slowly teaching Eve about you know voodooism
1: yeah and the gift of recite. and then lastly they have a younger brother named Poe he doesn't really come up that much to be honest he's but he is uh journey smollett's actual younger brother so i guess their whole family dynamic just worked with you know a a younger male sibling like like even um poe hanging out more and playing pranks on each other and things like that whereas sicily sort of going through her womanhood like you said earlier
2: something that uh yeah let's so that's sort of the characters let's jump into the themes um so one of the themes that is done really well is how memory works like our ability to misremember or re-remember have you ever remembered something amber where you're like i know this is a fact this absolutely happened you could actually visualize it in your mind but you later learn that was not what actually took place
1: i mean i'm <laughs> an actor so of course i can remember things being like way more dramatic than they were and then asking someone later about, like, what happened with that? Or I'll try to um, remember something not as bad as it happened. And Mm -hmm. it was actually way worse. So one time, I'll tell you, uh, me and one of my sorority sisters got into this huge fight. Of course, I will not reveal names. But um, it just got to the point where we we were both insulting each other, but she was insulting me to, like, a really bad point, you know? Like, I would say something to her about, like, you're just being a buzzkill. You don't want us to have fun and turn up on Miami beach. And she would be like, and you deserve to eat out of my dog's bowl. It was just like, what the fuck is going on? And so after the fight, I sort of blacked it out. And then later one of my other friends were like, she said some stuff to you that I will never forget. Like, (laughs) like it it definitely shifted the dynamics of the trip. And when I was in new Orleans, uh, talking to my, one of my uh, sorority sisters that were there, she was like, I still remember that fight that you and so-and-so had, and it was
2: bad. And, and you can't remember specific details about it?
1: No, I just, because I was a little bit tipsy, so I just remember it being really mean and hurtful, but sometimes I know I can be really dramatic, but this was definitely a time where all of my friends were like, you're not being dramatic. Like, she called you subhuman in this fight, like, and, and she was not drunk, so that's weird, like like the whole energy shifted and then I remember like, you know, like on a trip, like this happened 10 years ago and one of my friends was like, do you remember how bad that fight was? So yeah, I think sometimes I try to remember things and they were way worse than they actually were. And I think you do the opposite of me. I think you remember things way worse than they actually happened like you know how every now and then you walk around the house and be like oh my god and i'll be like what did you did you see something in the house like what what happened and you'll be like i just just got caught up remembering how embarrassed i was about this thing that happened nine yeah. years ago i do I and do then you'll tell that. me the story of it i'm like oh that's not that bad
2: oh yeah i remember my memory of things are significantly worse than they actually were so your memory of things are significantly less worse than they actually were
1: that's so interesting. Yeah. I think it, that, and, and that's, that's like race related or something. I'm just curious. Or I do you think know. it's like sex related?
2: I mean, we're in America. Everything is race related. Like, yeah. let's be real. I don't know. I don't know in what way.
1: You know, this is super random and I might cut this later. But so my friend's dad had a heart attack one time, right? And so he came downstairs and he was like, I think I'm about to die. Like, and then they were like, what? And so one of the symptoms of a heart attack is having um, a sense of doom, like having a sudden sense of doom, right? And so there's just some little fun, stati- not fun, but like some statistic that talks about how more women have heart attacks than men because we're just assuming that the sense of doom is like, yeah, it's just a regular day. Like we won't say anything about it. Does that make sense?
2: That is, why am I laughing? Like, wh- like I know, it's, it's fucked just, up. It's Whereas so... more men will be like,
1: something is going wrong. Like it's really, really bad. Something bad is yeah. about to happen. Whereas women are just like, Oh, it's Tuesday. I feel more heavy today, but but it's Tuesday. And then heart attack, boom. Anyway, what were some of the other themes besides memory?
2: Yeah, memory plays a big one. Uh, it starts off right with a quote about memory. And there's an entire scene in which, after Eve uh, sees her father having sex with a woman who is not her mother, um, her sister, Megan, sort of walks her through a replaying of that memory, but the film shows Megan Good's character, Cici, uh, Cece, or, um, Sicily, or Sicily, Sicily, literally rewiring Eve's memory, and and being
1: like, and that's all it was. That's all that's, you saw.
2: Yeah, and it's this film does such a great job of playing with memory and playing with our ability to block things out. Um, especially dealing with tr- with trauma specifically. Mm-hmm. The other thing that uh, this movie sort of struck me and probably not so much for you is this idea of hospitality, of like people coming in and out of your house or mm-hmm. there's a lot of that. Or um, uh, I don't know, I was like listening to someone from, from the South where they were like an introvert, but they were walking home uh one day and they like walked past their aunt's house without saying hi
1: yes that that is and, so southern and, and they'll be and, like you know yo you know marcia's baby girl came by here without saying anything it's just like uh because i don't want to deal with y'all motherfuckers that's why but you can't say that at age nine you know Yeah. who, who
2: are you talking to about this and
1: i i, I know but i just don't want to say their name
2: oh yeah yeah um I was like, like you can't
1: walk in people's houses without speaking oh, like, yeah, there's this was, culture of like go around and give everybody a kiss and go around and you know greet everybody oh, and
2: yeah it it that is so so alien to me like so bizarre to me, yeah, um, like even
1: when you go home with me to Georgia, you're like, why is everybody saying hi to me? <laughs> yeah like <laughs> like you like, notice what do you
2: what do you fucking want from me? you're such like, a new Yorker, yeah, it's like it, and and so I've had to learn that I also think it's. It's both a Southern thing. I think it's also a very like African American, yes. like, um, or or and I like what Nettie Okorofor says, like stolen African, like cultural thing, right? Like, yeah. being in a sense like you are, a, you're you come from descendants of stolen Africans, and therefore you rely on building very tight knit communities that extend beyond the nuclear family. Yeah, and for that there are certain like niceties that you you develop um yeah
1: but it can be a gift and a curse like yeah if there is you know a predator in the family like in the case of this and honestly like in the case of lots of families being still forced to go over there and give them a hug and a kiss knowing that is is a curse it teaches you to mask when you've been violated by someone and you have to just carry on business as usual and you're forced to interact with that person, you
2: know? So, yeah, it's so, it's so different.
1: Yeah. Um, heavy stuff. Let's take a little break, Ben. Hey, y'all. Today's episode was sponsored by Rome Loud. Rome Loud sells leggings, tops, biker shorts. Please get you some of those so your thighs won't be rubbing together for the summer. You can use the promo code Mess 15 to shop Rome Loud. That's RomeLoud.com. Get comfortable. Don't put on no real clothes this summer. And let's get back to the show.
2: All right. Let's talk about voodooism. One of my favorite parts about voodooism in this film is how it wasn't mutually exclusive with Christianity. For example, when um, Moselle does the palm readings and the readings, uh, they reference God. Like they even, you know, like almost pray before they do these palm readings. Mm-hmm. And it's so, there's no understanding. There's no conflict. Yeah, there's no conflict there. Between those two. There. Right. And it just made me think that so much of the Pentecostal movement is borrowing from Buddhism and so much of, you know, speaking in tongues and visions and miracles are borrowing from this like African religion that was brought over here by stolen Africans and then, you know, b- you know, wrapped into American society. Um, and I, I think of this, story uh we were hanging out with some of our friends um and you know i'm a cynic right i I don't i'm very religious in the sense that i love like you know tarot cards i love bone reading like the cat bones there's a scene where you like shake up the cat bones i think that is fascinating awesome um almost to an extent that i it might be considered uh uh what's that term when you like objectify someone for their ethnicity. Fetishize? Yeah. I, you almost, fetishize it. Almost to a point of fetishism, which I, mm, I have unpack to— Unpack like, it, man. Yeah, yeah I, I need to be careful of it, but I, I do— Yeah, almost to— Even with, like, Pentecostalism, which is my upbringing, I fetishize it a little bit, like my fascinating by it, my fascination by it. Um, But I was— You know, we were hanging out with some friends, and I said something cynical about Buddhism. And this friend of was like that. You listen, I've been to New Orleans. I've walked into some like places for like readings, and I'm telling you, there is a spiritual presence there, and I know it's real. And I'm like, you know, okay, whatever type of thing. Um, but th- this this friend of ours said it with like such conviction that it almost scared me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, uh,
1: I you don't. You never know. met somebody you're like, you are definitely a ghost.
2: I have not. had Or that you're experience. definitely
1: uh, s- s- like you have a spirit or presence with you that's not like anyone else.
2: No, I have not. And and Eve uh, runs into someone. Um, what is her name? Elzora, who's played by the
1: Diane Carroll, the girl. icon.
2: Which I, you were you literally like lost your shit.
1: Yeah, she's she... stunning. Yeah, she's big in the black community. R.I.P. Diane Carroll.
2: Uh, so, and uh, Eve runs into her and is sort of uh, plot-wise, you know, asks uh, Elzora to kill her father when she discovers that her father has been, you know, sexually abusing her older sister, Sicily, And those scenes are, like, the true fantastical <laughs> elements of this, mm-hmm. but they're not fantastical, right? Uh, yeah. So that's a good point. I, it, I mean, for me, they are right. Like, w- what is that? What is that realm of fantasy or like religion, and where where's the line between them? Right, like this.
1: Mm, good point. It brings up like, should we be critiquing this as a as a as a sci-fi fantasy work, or I
2: mean, or I mean, it's it's in horror noir they label it as horror, right. which is a nice way of getting around it because horror deals with both the fantastic. And the realists. And so this definitely falls in between that. But you've met you've met someone. I want to go back to you saying like I've met someone who was who gave you weird energy or weird vibes. Yeah, like or... the heebie
1: jeebies. Yeah. You know, you'll meet someone that you're like I or I have met people that say that they can see spirits. For sure. Like I definitely have a family member that's like I don't know. She's described it as being like haunted by this like antebellum slave girl. And she's just talked about interactions with that person my whole life. You know? So it's, it's hard to not believe that some of this is true. Like this woman, she said, like my cousin, the woman, says she has like full conversations with this girl. So I believe her. Like what? You know,
2: I guess I'm always hesitant when I hear these com- like when I hear this, I'm like, OK, like maybe you have a mental illness that has yet to be diagnosed.
1: But maybe you don't, man. Maybe they don't. I Or I was reading. So switching gears just a little bit like one gear to the left. I was reading this book about grief. Right. And how when people die, you should still talk to them and honor their presence like they're still here as a form of grieving. So it's like. How would you feel if you saw someone doing something like that and saying that they felt those energy waves speak back when they like, you know. Breathe life into that, like, let's say you had a parent die that lived in the house with you or you did things with that parent together like it said that you should still like have those conversations like you would or write a letter to that person and just read it out loud in your home by yourself or something like i don't i wouldn't look at someone doing that in their home as a mental illness like i think it's not okay to say that you know
2: yeah it's it's interesting right because uh, I always go back to this story in college where I had two friends. One of my friends very much into astrological signs, and another friend, like very Pentecostal Christian. Yeah, we don't know
1: shit about the them signs. People ask me about those all yeah, the
2: time. Yeah, I, I don't know, but they were having a conversation, and the Christian said something along the lines like, "Why do you even believe in astrology?" And the astrologist was like, "Why do you even believe in Christianity?" You know, it's like. It's like if you believe that a ghost is talking to you, that's mental illness, right? But if you believe that God became a man and was died on a cross and then resurrected in 3 days, that's not mental illness. Right. Right? Like what are, what's the difference between mm-hmm. the two? Yeah? Like what what is the difference? And I don't think there is. So I think if you have if you say something that you know someone who has visions is actually mentally ill then you also have to say an inverse and that's what this movie does so well it's like these these two things are not mutually exclusive and it's beautiful it's like that so you should correct syncretism you i you would brought say, up
1: the term mental illness
2: no no because that's i mean that's what i lean that's what i like lean into i think it's it's very human like a mental illness assumes like a non-neurotypical brain which i remember learning like some weird statistic something along the lines like you know 52 percent of all people are non-neurotypical mm. do you get like that's the joke a neurotypical brain would mean that 50 more than 50 50 percent of people have to have this kind of brain Ah, got it. So, so if you say something along the line, like 52 percent," that you had
1: to explain the joke. You probably didn't deliver it well, but that's there. I'm teaching you though. I'm teaching you the ropes.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean it. It takes a moment, you because you'd have to know what like tip like the term "typical" and the neuro,
1: or you just have to deliver it well. We'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know.
2: Amber is helping me write a stand-up. She, I, I uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Why don't you? Why don't you test some material right here, right now?
2: uh on on not not you on this like movie. A,
1: an astrologer and a christian walk into a bar that, that's gonna be the top the of the joke and i just want to sit in the audience and be like oh fuck just please don't say the word mental illness and you might not get booed off of the stage
2: um well yeah no, well to that point i think the the thing is one last thing well uh, casey lemon <laughs> specifically makes that connection for us right like yeah. moselle who's not unfamiliar with seeing it inside of a mental hospital. That's a line that's brought up in the film.
1: You're correct. You're right.
2: Right? right And so I I, I think there is something to be said there. Do you have anything else to say on voodooism?
1: I will say that there was this really cool scene in the film. Jesus. Yes, scene in the film uh, where I mistakenly thought that the, the budget was low. So they used an actor twice, but it was actually a really intentional move. So there, this one woman goes to Moselle to get a, you know, spiritual guidance and growth. And Moselle was like, here, take these lodestones and, um, you know, pray for strength. And so then in a, in a later scene, Samuel L. Jackson's character, Louie, the doctor, goes to check on this person. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Samuel L. Jackson's character is like, oh, my gosh, you've been taking your meds. You look great. You're killing it. And, and I was like, damn, they couldn't get another actor for this part. But that woman had actually been using the lodestones that she was given um, by her psychic counselor, Moselle. And that's why she had gotten better. So I... There's there's something to it. There, of course, there we're in the age where there are so many scams. Like remember, like Miss Cleo was a huge phenomenon in the fortune teller scam world. So I understand why you would be cynical. Um, Or or, like
2: silver healing, or like these essential oils and holy water.
1: Yes, there there are so many reasons to be skeptical. um, But it's hard when there are people in communities that have been practicing like African spirituality for a long time and to blend those people in with just like, you know, your televangelists is kind of unfair. That's all I'll say. You want to get into the size?
2: Yeah. I wish there was more voodiz- voodooism in here. That was a big part uh, because they, I feel like at one point Amber, you said, it's like everyone
1: just wants to fuck Samuel L. Jackson. Right. <laughs> it's was like, Eve's by you, a movie where everyone wants to fuck Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. I
2: I could have done with less of that and less more, of him schmoozing uh, around town. Yeah, yeah, and done more like the sisterhood between um, Moselle and Roz. Yeah, Moselle and Roz, their sisterhood. Which you told me, like, oh, that's that's literally what it's like with yeah. a sister in law.
1: Yeah, once you're an in-law in law and black families, you're you're one of the sisters or one of the whatever.
2: I've never thought of that being like an uh, an ethnic type of difference.
1: Yeah, because I feel like. No shade, but I feel like an in-law when I go hang out with your family or or other people who have married your siblings. I, I feel like we all feel like in-laws
2: yeah, it's interesting, but that's your
1: immediate family, but um whereas like my like I have an auntie who like you cannot tell me that's not my mom's sister I, I but would- she married into the family.
2: That is true. That is true. I wonder if it's more of a regional thing in the sense, like if, if mm-hmm. we, you live closer to your in laws, you're going to be closer to your in laws, right? Like a proximity thing. Mm.
1: I, it might be a north south regional thing. Yeah.
2: Anyway, I, I wish they had delved more with that because the main, the, basically, the main plot is Samuel L. Jackson fucking around and then. He has, he, he fucks a woman he shouldn't. And then, um, and also, you know, molesting his his daughter and Eve essentially asking this, um, this quote, witch they call, you know, uh, Moselle calls her a witch to kill her father and he ends up being shot and killed. That's the end of the movie. Uh, but yeah, I, I wish they explored more of the coming out story uh, or coming of age story of which she is, um, Eve is learning how to use her gift. And yeah. that ending scene where she asks, um, you know, her sister to like sort of see what the memory was of their interaction, like whether uh, Cicely was indeed, you know, molested by her father is, I, I wish they. I wish her powers weren't used solely in this, like, mystery of, like, whether Sicily was raped or not or, or molested or not.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And at some point, we are going to read Tanana Reeves' The Good House, which is great for voodoo and haints and African spirituality, and it's also set in the bayou as well. I know we're we have to go back and visit that at some point. With that being said, why don't you warp up the show? In
2: conclusion, watch Eve's Bayou. Uh, Support uh, Journey Smollett. Make sure that we get Lovecraft Season 2. Support Misha Green. And... That's it, y'all.
1: Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Side. Next week for episode forty-three, we will be watching the movie Slight, directed by J.D. Dillard. It's the 2016 American superhero drama film about a street magician in L.A. So it's the summertime, so we're gonna be watching a bunch of movies. So be sure to watch Slight. Where can they watch Slight, Ben? Oh, we gotta hack it, download it illegally. No, I think they're. I meant there. which network, Ben? Probably let me go look this up. Go go tell me where you hold, on. give me something. And we're back. You can watch Slight on Netflix, so be sure to pop on your Netflix, get your chill on, and we will see y'all next week for the show. Bye y'all.